With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here along with the cousins, Derek and Tyler. No Husker game to recap as we're coming off a bye week. We'll break down the upcoming Wisconsin game later on in the show. But first, let's talk about some of those great games this weekend. Tyler, what game stuck out to you on this weekend? It was a great weekend of football. It really was. And and I got to go to that Alabama-LSU game. I mean, there's a lot of games, but that was a game going into halftime. I mean, LSU just absolutely pummeled Bama in the first half. And then Bama came out, made it a great game. I mean... I, I mean, they, we'll talk about the rankings, but these were two of the best teams in college football, and it was a damn entertaining game. What did you think about that game, Derek? Uh, I, it was a good game. I spent most of my day golfing because it was 70 degrees here in Nebraska, so I didn't watch a lot of games. I did, however, have the game that I want to talk about, uh, Minnesota against Penn State. I had that game playing on my phone while we were golfing, and, man, what a game. <laughs> I really honestly didn't think Minnesota even had a shot in this game. And, and really, they kind of kicked their ass. Like, yeah. Very impressive. I, I know the score ended up being pretty close, but they kind of really kicked their ass. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a big, impressive win for P.J. Fleck. And, you know, I've been a P.J. Fleck hater, you know, as you guys know. But I found myself rooting for Minnesota, being the underdog in that game. And, God dang, they just played some really good football, too. They, uh, you know... Again, Tyler, you just said that we'll talk about the rankings here in a little bit, but they they looked legit. I don't feel nearly as bad getting my getting uh, our asses whooped by Minnesota after watching them play uh, Penn State. I do want to chime in on that Alabama game. That first half, man, it got it got to where it was wasn't a good game at all. I thought LSU was going to roll with it, and then all of a sudden. Here comes Alabama clawing back, but it was just too late, too little at the end. Uh, but, yeah, it was a great uh, great game in the end. Anytime that Nick Saban loses, it's it's a really good thing. Oh, the, the best thing about Nick Saban losing was the Twitter sphere going crazy, talking about Fire Saban. There's actually a hashtag Fire Saban out there. I mean, talk about an overreaction. The guy's won you, what, like five championships? And you're sitting here going, yeah, let's fire that guy, huh? I don't know where you go from Nick Saban. I mean, if you're going to fire Nick Saban, who... The, who they do- all think they're going to go get Dabo Sweeney. Wait till he loses a game this year, because they, they're not impressive <laughs> either. <laughs> They'll fire him before he gets there. Uh, Tyler, what other games did you like? Well, I think the Wisconsin-Iowa game. Um, you know, that was a game oh, that... You know, that was a snooze fest. Oh, I mean, well, not till the fourth quarter. Iowa made that a game late in the game. 
Um, they did, but it was still a snooze fest. And, and another game was a game that I got wrong on the pick and was the Baylor TCU. I mean, guys, it, I mean, you know, it, it's funny. We are diehard Husker fans, and we watch a lot every Nebraska game, play to play. But, man, not having Nebraska game this week kind of made the whole Saturday a lot more enjoyable to watch football because there was a lot of good football to watch, and, and I got to catch all of it and not be in a depression after we got our asses kicked. Well, not only that, you know, we weren't locked into three and a half hours of bad football watching Nebraska play. I mean, we got to see some good football around there. Even the night the night slate was pretty weak. But I tell you what, that Appalachian State-South Carolina game, that was pretty fun to oh. watch. That was fun to watch. That Appalachian State team, God, they're just impressive to what they, what they can do. Now I get it, you know, South Carolina, they're dog shit this year, and Sorry to some of our uncles and cousins out there in South Kakalaki, but, you know, dog shit, man. That, that's the game that I watched probably the most of contently because I was done golfing by then. I was home, I, and I sat and watched that game. And, man, South Carolina sucks. <laughs> they God, <do>. they suck. <laughs> and I, again, I'm sorry for our relatives there in South Kakalaki, as Justin says. But... God dang, they make the SEC look horrid. Not, maybe the SEC just is kind of that bad because, I mean, remember, I saw Carolina team beat Georgia. Bite Eat. your tongue. The SEC does not suck. You know how I know? Uh, because the playoff committee says so. So this is a great <laughs> transition here. So the playoff committee, they released their top 25 tonight. Uh, I'm just going to go through the top 10 real quick. Number one, LSU. Two, Ohio State. Three, Clemson. Four, Georgia. Five, Alabama. Six, Oregon. Seven, Utah. Eight, Minnesota. Nine, Penn State. And ten, Oklahoma. And also, there's another undefeated out there. Uh, Baylor comes in at number 13. So, thoughts on the top 25, Tyler? Well, I mean, I think... Let's just start at the top. They, They got the top two teams right. The two best teams in college football at this point are LSU and Ohio State. I probably would rank them in that order right now, but it mean I think those are clearly that. After that, there was a lot of mistakes they made. I think the the most glaring is how underrated they have Minnesota. Guys, I, I did my own top ten. I have Minnesota fourth in the country, and I'll admit, oh. I, I I will admit three through eight is pretty close. I think there's a lot of teams you could argue in there, but I I think. It's just shocking to me that after Minnesota beats Penn State, who was fourth in the country, that they don't buy it. I, I get it that Minnesota had a rough September, but they have been dominant over the last six weeks. And, yeah, they're gaining steam. And, and it, you know, what have you done for me lately? Like, let's not look back on that September. Let's look at the recent events. I mean, Minnesota has been absolutely dominant. They are completely underrated in my eyes. Well, to further well, what you're saying there, uh, Tyler, you know, I mean, Georgia loses to South Carolina, a team that we just torched by losing to Appalachian State, but they still get the benefit of the doubt of being a number four team, and they have a terrible loss. Minnesota, they don't have a loss at all, and they got a better win than Georgia. Well, I, don't, I don't get it. Well, I, I, I will say I have Georgia ahead of Minnesota. They're my third team. I will say the reason why I, I think I have Georgia a little bit higher, and it's close, and so I'm not going to argue that one too much, but they beat Florida, who I have as 12th, and they beat Notre Dame, who I didn't go that far, but the committee has them at 16. They've also shut out two of their last three opponents. That South Carolina loss is really, really ugly, but you take that game out. I mean, if Georgia would have beat South Carolina, 
there's an argument that they would be number one. Yeah, they, unfortunately, they got their asses kicked well, by South Carolina. They didn't get their asses I mean, kicked. They lost it overtime. C- come on. If you take four losses or five losses from Nebraska away, all of a sudden we look like a top ten team, too. Shut up. You can't take team. You can't take games <laughs> away. That's not the way it works. And when you lose to a bad team like South Carolina, it counts. It should count. Uh, I'm going to go back to the Minnesota thing here. You know, I, I agree with you, too. I, I, well, I agree with you, Tyler. Like, they should be higher. But they did jump nine spots. I mean, it's not like they didn't give them some respect. Maybe not as much as they deserved. But the thing that Minnesota's got going for them is they play two more ranked teams out of the next three games between Iowa and Wisconsin. Uh, so they have a chance to make a name for themselves. Like, win those two games, and suddenly you're looking like a top-four team going into the Big Ten Championship. Well, what it looks like to me here is that the committee, they're full of shit when they say the resume matters because obviously the resume does not matter the way that they're ranking these. Uh, they're ranking these off based off of what they think that they will do. Resume is just bullshit. Oh, oh you're absolutely right because you know what? I, I, I was curious to see because I think Baylor is the, team, is the team that's getting screwed the most. They yeah. dropped one in the polls. They won. And, and and they're 13th being undefeated with two two lost teams ahead of them. Yeah. Like, come on. I don't care. Undefeated deserves to be at least ahead of the two lost teams, all of them, and probably ahead of most of the one lost teams. And so I was looking just for comparison because everybody wants to talk about Alabama and they deserve to get in. And, and he, Alabama's wins, and I just took their wins. I, I dropped the LSU game out for since they didn't win it. Their wins, their opponents' records are thirty-one and forty-five. Like they have played nobody. Who is this? This is Alabama. That's Alabama. Yeah. Okay. Now Baylor. Baylor's not much better. Their opponents' records are thirty-four and forty-eight. Now, I mean, they're essentially even. Like that's uh, four a point four one four to a point four zero seven. Alabama's got the point four oh seven. So technically Baylor's got the win loss record, their opponent's win loss record, a little slightly better than what Alabama's is, and yet they can get no love because they're Baylor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, they're not in the SEC. <clears throat> I mean there's there's a reason Oh, this drives me nuts. There's a reason that three of the top five teams are SEC teams. Because because this committee is biased and they, and they have been since they've started this. Well, and I'm with you guys on this Bama. I had Bama eighth in my thing. Um, I, I do have them ahead of Baylor you, and debate that all day and not. But, again, I think teams that I think that are clear, I mean, Oregon, Penn State, you know, Georgia are all one-loss teams. I think that should be ahead of them. Um, I, I just I, – I don't understand what they're saying for Bama. I mean, I get that Bama's been dominant in so many victories and, you know – you know, you talk about this. One of the things that they look at, and Adam McClintock has this dialed in, is what they call is game, you know, game control, and you know, and how dominant you are in victories. And Alabama's been dominant, but they played no one. They're not playing anyone until they play Auburn, and that's their only shot to get a credible victory. Which I'm not convinced they're beating Auburn, but we'll wait. See, this is not a great Bama team. This is a very overrated based off historics. They, I got, I got them eighth. Um, 
you know, it, it is close, but I, I just I, I got Penn State ahead of them. I Oregon, I just I don't buy it. I don't know how of the one loss teams they are second. Oh, okay. Here, here's another thing that I'm going to ask you, Tyler. You talk about Oregon, so is that one loss going to look that great if Auburn ends up losing to Georgia and and Alabama, and now all of a sudden they're only an eight and four team? Well, no, I mean, but. I, see, I always look at this. It, it, well, first of all, there's two things with that. Or, or that was the first week of the season, so I do think just like the Minnesota, you got a lot of teams play better. And secondly, they will if they win out, they will have won nine conference games. And and, and the Pac-12 is not the best conference, but it's not the ACC. That that should count. And, and it doesn't. Not not to the committee. I know it's bullshit. It's absolute bullshit on that. Like the the SEC is a joke of a co- I mean the way they schedule it they've got it figured out. They they yeah. have realized this out of conference thing doesn't matter. I I give Oregon credit. Even though they lost and I know you guys say well losses shouldn't count. I give them credit cuz they went out and played a team like Auburn who's a pretty good program. And yeah, they lost in a close game week 1, but if they keep winning, they in my opinion, they should be able to get in the playoffs. And I don't think it's going to happen that way for them. Well, out of conference matters if you're Baylor or TCU, for that matter. You know, you know, the first year of the playoff, they both got left out because their out of conference wasn't strong enough. It, yeah, and Baylor has two top twenty-five wins. Also, <laughs> still can't crack that top ten. It's just, it's nuts. Well, okay, so if they beat Oklahoma, where do they end up? Where do they jump three spots? Well, I mean, if they beat Oklahoma and they're not, I mean, I don't, if they beat Oklahoma, probably and not you're in the probably top five, right, Derek. If they if they beat Oklahoma and they're not in the top five, it's a it's a joke. It's absolutely a joke. They won't be in the top five. Well, where, where's Minnesota at if they beat Iowa this weekend? They should be three. No, they won't I, be. They won't be. They I should the, be. the committee is proving more and more every year. And I just, I know you hate this, but they're proving to me more and more why we need an eight-team playoff. And you just need to come up with a system of conference champions and three wild cards because well, the, the committee is just making a joke out of this playoff. Go back, go back to the BCS, their rating system, conference champions and BCS best at large. I don't know. Well, and, and here's that's a, a different conversation. Yeah, it, it is. And, and again, I, I understand there's a degree of this where they say, I mean, I think they say the eyeball test doesn't really matter that much. Um, I, I think Bama's a good team. I, I do. I mean, I think at this point they've been really dominant. I'm not going to write them off. I'm not going to write off Penn State. I mean, they have one loss, but the, the, the I, just, I just, I don't understand the Minnesota thing. I don't understand it. They have been dominant for well over a month. They just beat a team that was fourth in the country. How are they not ahead of Alabama? I mean, that that is the question. I, I, I'll i give you Georgia. I will give you the Notre Dame and Florida wins are great. I'll give you the shutouts that Georgia's played. I mean, I'll give you all that and why I think Georgia, I can make a case for them. But Alabama, there is no case, in my opinion, why they should be up there. They have no quality victory this season. Zero. I mean, their Derek. best vic- their best victory is against Texas A and M, and 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 I don't think Texas A and M's that good. Yeah. Well, let's go. Let's go back to the Penn State deal here. Here's the here's my confusion in the whole thing. So Penn State loses to Minnesota, 
and you drop him five spots, like this is just a horrible loss, right? I mean, Alabama loses to LSU, which I get it's LSU. They're number one right now. But they drop two spots. Yeah. Mid- Penn State drops five spots for losing to Minnesota, who's undefeated. And then, and then Minnesota jumps nine spots, but they're only number eight. Mm-hmm. So, okay, committee, tell me something. Is Minnesota, you're telling me by having them only eight that they're just not a good team, not good enough. Or is was Penn State overrated before? I mean, I don't, I don't understand where... Penn State drops so much and Minnesota can't get any love. Like, it's just so biased towards the SEC. It just yeah. drives me insane. Well, we are told that it will work itself out in the end, especially if you're and, an, and it will. Like, it especially does if years. you're an SEC team. <laughs> well, I mean, here, here's the bottom line right now. There, there is almost no scenario that is looking to me that there will not be two SEC teams in. Oh, I, you're I, right, and and. and and you know, and not. I'm not. There, there, there was one scenario, and it got it got blown up this last weekend with Penn State losing. There was, but but I'll tell you. Here's the thing. This is where it's going to get. And I, I'm not going to cry about an SEC team, but you know who I almost feel bad with is LSU, because you know what this is shaping up to look like is Alabama versus LSU in a rematch, and it is really looking like that could. That's a strong possibility of what's going to happen. Oh, you're talking a one and four playoff. One and four playoff. Yeah. And God dang! Please don't be true. Well, I'll tell you, the only thing worse than that is if LSU finishes second and Ohio State's one, and all of a sudden we get LSU versus Alabama in the national championship somehow. Yeah. God, I don't want to see another SEC all SEC national championship. So, speaking of Ohio State, you know, I you guys know how I feel about Ohio State. You know how much I hate them. Talk about getting robbed, and I understand. I, I understand it because LSU just beat Alabama, blah blah. blah. But you win a game seventy three to fourteen, and you drop a spot. How does that make you feel as an Ohio State fan? It's it's SEC bias, man. SEC wow. bias. Well, okay. Let's be honest. Who would you rank right now, number one, LSU or Ohio State? Ohio State. Would you? I don't see they, any flaws. In, I don't everybody. see any flaws in their game. Are there? I mean, I mean, I think I, here's what I'll say. I think offensively, LSU's a little bit better offensively than Ohio State. Not what? much. Ohio State's clearly a better defensive team, especially if Chase Young's out there. So I think Ohio State's a more complete team. But I think LSU's offenses, I mean, they're on a different planet. I mean, they, they, I mean, when's the last? I mean, besides Clemson, I mean, last year that was a. I mean, how many times have you seen Nick Saban's defense look that like? Nebraska-ish. I mean, they, they were. I mean, they were terrible. I, you, you know, honestly, you look statistically even before that game. This is not a Nick Saban Alabama type of defense. Like, they're, they're not. They're not ranked as high. They've struggled at times. I mean, yeah, they've still dominated, but it's been their offense. It's really been more offensive. That's that's why you know, and I'm glad I didn't end up betting the under. But that's why the under was set so high is because both of them have such a strong offense. And the defenses have struggled a little more than what you expect out of an LSU in, a, in, a, in an Alabama. So uh, when we're done with the show, I'm going to tweet at uh, uh, Adam McClintock, CFB professor. I'm going to ask him who he would have favored, uh, according to his model today, uh, between Ohio State and 
LSU on a neutral field because I'd be really interested in what he has and has who favored. So uh, we got to move on here. But, but before you move on, just one one more last thing, Tyler. You kind of crapped on Clemson about him struggling. They're, they're starting to pick it up. They're starting to look like the team they were. I mean, they just beat NC State at NC State, fifty-five to ten. Like, and I know NC State's not some great team. They're not losing the game. They will be undefeated. There's nobody in the ACC that's going to even come close to beating these guys at this point. No, I mean, you're you're right on that, and and that's what I have Clemson fifth in mind. Um, I have Minnesota ahead of them and Georgia ahead of them. Um, I if Clemson wins out, there's no doubt they'll get in. They should get in if they go undefeated in a Power Five, just like Baylor should if they go undefeated. I mean, that I'll tell you that's going to be the interesting thing if Baylor goes undefeated, which if ifs and what's but do they get in over a georgia or alabama that's going to be the million dollar question i uh, think so i think i think any undefeated power five team is going to make it in baylor's gonna they've got some tough games coming up between texas and oklahoma and conference uh, championship game and a rematch with conference oklahoma. championship yeah and if you go undefeated and you have two wins over oklahoma yeah i mean your resume is starting to look pretty decent just like Minnesota. I think Minnesota's resume starts looking really good if you beat, especially if you end up going undefeated, beating Iowa and Wisconsin. Of course, then you have to get in the Big Ten Championship, which you'd have to beat Ohio State most likely. Which, if that's the case, they'll be clearly the number two team. I mean, I mean, if they go undefeated, there's no doubt Minnesota will be number two. Well, that's the only shot they have. Well, it is. If they, if they, if they lose one, they're done. So I, I have a scenario, and I know we got to move on. Let's say Minnesota loses to Iowa this weekend. And they win out, and then they beat Wisconsin, and they beat Ohio State in. I still think that one-loss Minnesota team, if they could beat Ohio State and Wisconsin down the stretch, I think that gets them in the playoff. I I disagree. You don't think so? You think I, they, no, they I, can't get, they can't get love at 9-0. I, can't, I think, I think one loss them. kills them. They're biased. I mean, they, they got the they have to face the bias because they don't have the uh, the name recognition. They don't have the year and year in. They have year zero out. five stars on their team, yeah. and nobody's going to want to see it. It's it's pathetic. It's, it's about ratings. That's what this that's what this committee set, set for. What's going to bring in the most ratings? Yeah. All right. Uh, this is fun. You know, we don't get to talk a lot about other college football while we do the podcast. Uh, so this was pretty cool. Uh, we got a couple more topics that we want to hit here. Uh, for the second straight week, a head coach has been fired with less than two years. Willie Taggart was axed last week at Florida State. Now Chad Morris was fired from Arkansas after going 4-18 and in 22 games at Arkansas. Uh, what do you think of this, and is this a new trend, Tyler? I don't know. I mean, I, I just don't understand what these programs are trying to accomplish. I mean... Yeah, I I don't I know these coaches have struggled in where they're going, but how do you expect to build and who wants these jobs? I mean, if you're gonna get a year and a half leash, like who is really gonna want these jobs? I I, I you know PJ Flex is a name that's been thrown around, and, and if I PJ Flex, I'm sitting there saying, man, I looked at my first year and a half at Minnesota. Hell, if I was at Florida State with that first year and a half, I would have been fired. And so I, I just don't understand what these schools are trying to accomplish getting rid of coaches so fast. Derek, what do you think? I, I agree with Tyler. Uh, 
I, I will say Chad Morris was looking a little more like he deserved to be fired than Willie Taggart. Uh, four and eighteen, and losing to who was it? Western Western Kentucky. Kentucky got killed, and, and it wasn't a good. It wasn't a game. They lost like forty-two to fourteen, or it was something bad. Whatever it was. So I mean, you, you, I don't like firing a coach in less than two years. I, I think it's bullshit. I'll just put it out there: it's bullshit. But I think his, I think Chad Morris is a little more justified than Willie Taggart's. Uh, but at the, at the end of the day, t- Tyler, money talks, bullshit walks. And all these schools, especially in the SEC and the ACC and the Big Ten, have enough money to pay these co- these coaches to keep coming in. They'll keep coming in to get a payday. It don't matter. Well, I think that's where the, the landscape of college football has changed. There's so much money on the line. And the expectations are to win now or at least show signs of improving by year two. And if you can't show signs of of improving by year two, you know, it's maybe it is time to go. Now, Chad Morris, you know, he took over a pretty is a bad program, but you're right, four and eighteen. That should not happen. You should not get killed by Western Kentucky the way they did. That was Mike Riley's Northern Illinois right there. That that is exactly what you saw right there. Uh you know, same thing with Willie Taggart. Well, Willie Taggart, he he had other issues going on there. It was like he lost the team. That that was a whole huge mess. Chad Morris was a little bit different because they just sucked and they weren't getting better. When you have that much money, when you're paid that much money, results are expected. I'll, I'll tell you Willie, Willie Taggart's downfall was when Florida State came out and lost in September, early September, and talked about being dehydrated and tired in the fourth quarter. You live in Florida, one of the most <laughs> humid, freaking swamp infested area. Yeah. Like hydration's pretty important down there. That should be common knowledge. Yeah, that, that was pretty crazy. I remember that. That kind of made you think. It's like, wow, he's pulling every excuse out. When you can't blame the players for not executing, blame <laughs> hydration. <laughs> uh, all right. Hey, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we wanted to talk about the recruiting and culture at Nebraska. Uh, Tyler, you have some interesting thoughts on this topic. Uh, so first, why isn't the culture where the coaches want it to be in year two? Well, I, I, I believe... You know, I, I look at this from a business standpoint, and if you take over an operation, you take over a company, you know, you have a couple choices there. One, do you go into that company and evaluate what's going on and look to make subtle changes, or do you go in there to make a complete overhaul? I think what's clear is Frost and Company came in and they made a complete overhaul in this. And there's a lot of things that changed that I think we all like the thought process. But I think there's just too much change that's tried to happen in such a short window. One example of this is the expanded roster. I think there's a lot of conversation about Scott Frost trying to get to a 150-man roster, having all these people. And and I, I think that's a good strategy. I think what he was trying to accomplish in such a short window should have been a little rock. That is something that, hey, eight, nine years down the road, let's get there. But he tried to do that so quickly. And, and and that's just one example of what I believe is the larger problem of the Scott Frost regime 
is he has torn down the Mike Riley era. He's torn down everything that was there, and there's a lot that should have been, but it was too much change for him to manage such a short window. Thoughts, Derek? Well, I mean, you're right. It, 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 to me, I, I know there's a lot of speculation out there about the 2018 class and how many players we've lost from that class. Here's my here, here was my and I we talked about this previously. I know my I think Frost's biggest mistake was going to coach that Peach Bowl, like trying to do that and the recruiting of that 2018 class. I don't know that he knew all the players he was getting in here in 2018 as well as he probably should have, and they probably should have focused a little more on the on the recruiting of that class rather than trying to coach up a team. Yeah, his ego got in front of him there. Uh, as far as the 150-man roster, I think that's a terrible idea. I really do. Uh, expanding the walk-on. You know, nobody loves the walk-on story more than me, right? Uh, huge Jacob Winemaster fan. This year it was uh, uh, Luke Reimers. You know, I, I, I want those walk-ons to succeed and play pivotal roles in any part of the offense or defense. But 150, that is just crazy. For one, this staff has yet to prove that they're playing any backups they don't play enough backups so why increase the roster to 150 you're playing roughly about 50 guys a game on special teams and offense defense and then it doesn't appear that they're developing these guys the right way anyway how much of a problem is it going to be when you have 150 guys there on campus that you're trying to do it there's no added benefit i don't think how how many walk-ons really pan out to be, uh, you know, pivotal players? I mean, there's not. It, there's a handful each year that gets any meaningful snaps, right? Just a handful. It's a great well, story when they do. Well, let me just challenge you on that, Justin. And, and, I, and again, I agree that the strategy we've taken over. I I think this is a good long-term strategy. Yes, I think as Nebraska, we until we prove we could be a top 10 recruiter, which who knows if we could ever be that, we are going to have to rely to some degree on unknown quantities, whether these be walk-ons, low three stars. We're going to have to get these guys in a rotation. I mean, the difference at a, of a walk-on at Nebraska versus a low three star is probably not that big. I'm not suggesting eliminating walk-ons because we need them. I mean, they are—they have their purpose. Uh, but you don't need to expand to 150 or beyond. What, what, what does he say? He wants to get up to like to 170. Why? Because Tom Osborne had 160, 170 people on that roster. He needs to get his ass out of the 90s. He wow. flat out does. Just because Tom Osborne did it that way does not mean that he needs to do it that way. It's a new game today. The game has changed in the last 20 years. Plus years. Well, it has. It has. But I will. let me just say this, though. Again, it, the thought doesn't bother me. The thought is that how is that one of his main priorities? Well, like, that, how, that how, is, how is that at all? Like, if he says that in a press conference that, hey, what I envision this team to look like is I want 170 people on this roster, and that's what I want it to look like. I love that thought, actually. Why? I don't. I, I don't love it year three. I don't love it year three. 
well, why, why do why do why do I like it? Because I think it gives depth. You can get more people, more chances to evaluate. I think that's the thing with Nebraska. You're right. The walk-on chances of success aren't high, but every walk-on you bring on increases the chance you'll hit on someone. But are are you missing that much in recruiting that you have to count? You know, like bring in so many people just so you do finally hit. I mean, that, that doesn't make sense to me. Maybe, possibly, is partly, and I know you're going to hate this, but Mike Riley missed a lot. Like, offensive line, he missed a lot. There were years that we didn't pull in enough offensive linemen. Our offensive linemen that we have starting right now are, one of them is a walk-on. Couple, We got a bunch of three-stars. The, the one four-star we have on the offensive line right now is a tight end, converted offensive lineman. Uh, you go to the defensive side. One of the studs that we talked about preseason was uh, DiCaprio Boodle, who's barely a three-star at a point eight three. Uh, you got Alex Davis out there, who we've complained about year in and year. I mean, throughout this year, and he's a point eight zero, barely barely a three-star. And, and right now, we just don't have everybody in those positions are all to take their places are all freshmen and true red shirt freshmen. We just don't have the guys to take over for them. But I, I just, I don't, I don't see a lot of talent on this team as far as upperclassmen go right now. The ones that Mike Riley did bring in have all left because they didn't want to work to me, didn't want to work hard under frost or what, whatever the reason was. I don't even care why they left at, at any rate. The most of those Riley guys that were hot, that were recruited highly were are gone. And, Frost is bringing in some good talent, but they're young. And if we were all sitting here talking about playing every red shirt freshman and freshman, th- then what? But what does that have to do with bringing in or up in the walk-ons to 80 walk-ons or whatever amount he wants to bring in, maybe, 70, 80 maybe walk-ons? Maybe you can find a diamond in the rough that can take that place. I mean, I obviously haven't yet, but maybe you can. Because Alex Davis sure as hell can't tackle. Well, well look, okay. Go ahead, Justin. No, I was just saying there there are diamonds out in the rough. You know, uh, in the rough like you're talking about, Luke Reimers. He's another walk on that, you know, young walk on that. Uh, he's having a little bit of success. They talked highly of him in the off season. He's seen a little game action, but Tyler's rolling his eyes because because <laughs> that's what he does when I talk about walk ons. Where would our defensive backs be right now without Isaiah Stallbird and uh, Eli Sullivan? Eli Sullivan. Like, where would they be? I, okay. We've needed those guys in games. So there's what? Four or five? And they're both walk-ons. There's four but, but, or five but, guys. But, but, okay, so, okay, there's a lot here to react to. Okay, so first of all, Justin, I agree with your general premise. But walk-ons are important. I don't agree with how he's doing it. But, Derek, Derek the, this whole thing of, well, Mike Riley missed on this. Well, Bo Pelini missed on shit, too. And I'll tell, okay, you, and that's fine. I'll tell you this, that no one gave Mike Riley the benefit of the doubt when Bo Pelini missed on recruits. They ran his ass out of town. Secondly, it's hard for Mike Riley recruits to have hit when the leading tackler at Oregon State, a team that is very comparable to Nebraska, by the way, this season, is Avery Roberts, a guy that, quote, didn't want to work hard enough for Scott Frost. I, I get I Any of these individual guys that transfer is not a problem. Lindsey leaving, not a problem. Johnson leaving, not a problem. Uh, Guy Thomas, all these guys, even the Frost guys he's brought in, uh, Greg Bell. These are not individual problems, but when you look at the overwhelming young guys that have left this program, like, that is a problem. 
they are brought into the system with enough ability that they should have a chance to succeed. And the fact that they're bailing out a year or two into the program at this alarming of a rate is very concerning about the long term. Uh, because who are going to be the seniors next year? Who are the seniors after that? Yeah. This this youth problem is not going away anytime soon. Well, part part of that, and I'm not saying it's not on the staff too, but part of it's also just the transfer portal, portal in general. It has. I mean, Alabama's getting guys leaving. LSU just had a guy enter the transfer portal. I, th- this is not a Nebraska problem. As I mean, that, that's, it is a Nebraska problem, but it's it's also a nationwide problem that everybody's having to deal with. That, that's a great point, Derek. I mean, I will tell you that you know, I was listening to Colin Coward today a little bit, and he was talking about Nick Saban getting close to retirement. And he, one of the reasons he cited was the transfer portal because Nick Saban is such a control guy. And I think Scott Frost has a little Nick Saban in him too. Um, and I hope the good parts of him come out. But it, it, when you have these guys that just so willy-nilly, hey, it's not going their way, they could transfer, that, that's a problem. Um, I, I just think that's where an area that Frost is just – you get these guys into your program – you've really got to commit on their success and and where this recruiting thing to me makes me nervous about the culture is that we've offered 433 people this recruiting cycle and scott frost talks a lot about culture and loving football and i really question how are they evaluating this because i'll tell you that's a lot of people to keep dibs on that's a lot of people it's top 10 in the nation isn't it for total offers outstanding? I, I think it was 6th or 7th or something like that. Yeah. But it, I mean, it's high. And it was like that uh, last year also. They dealt out like f- over 400 offers as well. So so that's the thing. So are you trying to build a culture or are you trying to accumulate talent? Because it's one Wait, of those okay. two. Which one okay. is it? Okay, Ty- Tyler, Tyler, I'm going to stop you there. Because you can't have it both ways. Because you complain about how many offers they throw out there. And then, as soon as Willie Taggart gets fired, you text me and say, hey, I hope he goes after these Florida State guys. Like, you want him to throw more offers out there. Well, yes. Yes, I do. In that instance of evaluating. So, so you can't have it both ways. You can't sit here and go, oh, he's offering too many guys. Oh, wait, he needs to offer more. But, like, but, that doesn't make any sense. But, Derek, but Derek, where I'm going on that is if these guys are guys that fit what he wants at Florida State, then yes, go after them. Scott Frost and company have got to evaluate the guys that are going to fit his system. That That is the number one priority if I'm Scott Frost is what are the guys that are going to fit my system? And I do not believe that we have the infrastructure and they're evaluating the talent to say 433 guys fit my system. So are you trying to track talent or are you trying to fight the guys that fit your system? Because I don't believe at this point we're capable of doing both. I I agree with that sentiment right there completely. I mean, you can't do it. Well, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Because if he doesn't offer these five-star guys and these high four-star guys, then he's a shitbag for not, for not offering them. Are there I'm any five-star guys? You can't guys get them if you don't offer them. No, Has there, he targeted any five-star guys? There's a five-star quarterback. He, he, the, yeah, go look at. There, there's there, there's like ten five-star guys he's offered. But but Derek, those go aren't look the guys at the I'm, offer list, Justin. Derek, those aren't the guys I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact that somewhere in the neighborhood of 300 of those offers have been three stars. Yeah, 
Okay, if you want to offer every five star in the country as a standing offer because they have the talent to succeed no matter what, okay, go ahead and do it. But when you're offering three star guys that don't pan out and the culture's not right and they don't love football and all this, you know, stuff we're hearing, well, don't tell me that if you're not going to see them two or three times to really have conversations with these guys, whether they love football. Don't t- just don't tell me that. Well, keep, keep keep in mind too that not every offer is created equal either. That's like, true. Okay, they're throwing offers out there, but just because they're throwing offers out there, they may, that may be Plan B, Plan C, Plan D. I don't and, know. And, and I'm fine with Plan B, C, D, E, F, G, but is that what they're thinking? Is, is are they sitting there looking at one of the sixty wide receivers they offered, and that number fifty second ranked wide receiver say it? You know what, Joe Schmo over there, yeah, he's a little bit under the radar. We want him to be part of the team, but have you talked to him how intelligent he is and how much he gets the little things and how he blocks on the perimeter and all this stuff? And if they can't evaluate 433 players and know that, yeah, yeah, I'll tell you what, it's not more than just a couple highlights that I've watched every snap that kid took. I know he's under the radar. He's a three-star kid, but we want him part of this team then hell yes, let's offer him. But that's my concern. Are they doing it? And that's where the greater thing goes. I believe where Scott Frost is, and a lot of this is on the fans, but the expectations has not... He is trying to accomplish a lot in a very small window. Instead of taking anything that Mike Riley had, he is trying to build his own culture. And again, maybe it'll work. Maybe it'll work. I do not believe you are a success if your only move is, well, I'm just going to tear down and rebuild. It it doesn't work that way. Great stuff. Uh, Derek, final word? No. Tyler, you talked about it before about, you know, building a foundation. Like, okay, let him build a foundation. Let him start building. Like it's it's just gonna take time. It's not. It's obviously taking a lot more time than what fans wanted. It's taking a lot more time than what I think Frost wanted. It, it sucks, guys. Well, it sucks right now. And but I will tell you this: it's gonna Derek, take time. And I, and Derek, you said that, and I believe that that Frost has laid a lot of good. I believe his philosophies and what he's trying to build is gonna work. I I truly do. And 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 what I will tell you is this: and it's, he's not gonna admit it to the media. He's not gonna do this. But if Frost could come back and do this again. I believe there are some things he would do differently. I like not that. coach that Peach Bowl and spend a little more time recruiting. That, I think that the way um, they probably allowed some of these people to probably leave the team and probably not put up a little bit of a fight probably would be among that too. All right, well, let's get an ad in here. Uh, are you the type of fan that knows football so well that you could choose any game and call it? Well, my bookie is the place for you because they let you turn all your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Between football season, NBA, and the start of college basketball season, it's time to get off the sideline and into the action with my bookie. So if you want, if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. If you join my bookie right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to one thousand dollars. That means if you deposit $2,000 today, you get an extra $1,000 of free money to play with. Just use promo code 
late fees to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code late fees, one word, to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, guys, number 14, Wisconsin, comes to Lincoln as 14.5-point favorites this weekend. They bring a 7-2 seven and, seven, uh, and two record overall and 4-2 and two in conference play. They beat Iowa last week 24-22, but lost their previous two games to Ohio State and a huge upset against Illinois. Uh, overall thoughts on Wisconsin, Derek? Uh, they're good. You know, it's uh, it's going to be a tough game. Uh, look, if we if we, we got to find a way to stop Jonathan Taylor. It's number one. That's been I think that's been everybody's number one all year. Problem is, I'm still not convinced we got the linebackers to do that, and that's what scares me the most. Tanner, what do you think about Wisconsin coming in? Well, I mean, I mean, you know, this is funny. When we we joined the Big Ten, one of the things that came out was, you know, this Wisconsin-Nebraska rivalry was going to be up there, and you had a Wisconsin player this last week not even call it a rivalry, kind of, you know, laugh at it. And Wisconsin has owned us, and, and you know, they really have. And Wisconsin is a really good team. They have the number two total defense in the country, the number seven scoring defense but but when you look in that a little bit the last three games wisconsin has played they've given up over 20 points this is not the same wisconsin defense that started the season now what does that equate for nebraska i don't know but i I will tell you if you were looking for hope in this there there is a little bit of hope of what's been going on in madison the last couple months or a couple weeks all right derek what are some ways wisconsin can exploit nebraska Ah, uh, boy, there's so many ways. <laughs> You're my you bitch. Know, You're my bitch. You're my bitch. <laughs> uh, I, I, if I'm telling you, if Nebraska's linebackers, and I, I, I really think we're going to start playing a lot of these younger kids. Maybe we see some. I, I'm hoping to see like some Nick Henrik and uh, get a little more Garrett Nelson. Maybe some of these kids can start playing a little bit better than. What the Alex Davis and even Mo Berry has been playing, Colin Miller, none of these guys have impressed me. Uh, so hopefully, maybe maybe they play. I know they're going to play some defensive lineman guys. Uh, Keen Green is that his name? Is that right? Yeah. Uh, they're they're talking about playing him. They're talking about playing Ty Robinson, who are bigger guys that hopefully can fill some gaps. Uh, but look, they they can exploit us just by running the ball. I, I they don't have to get fancy. They don't have to do anything but run between the tackles. I tell you what, Derek, uh, we've been doing this podcast a long, long, long time, and I've never seen you more solemn talking about the uh, matchup like uh, what we're facing here. And this isn't even the well, best we, team we've that struggled. we've played. We've struggled. No, but it's, we've struggled so hard to stop the run this year. These last, I, I was, I'm going to say this whole year because we stopped the what run well against the first three teams we faced. We stopped the run well against Indiana, but then we go around and give Purdue the worst running team we face, 145 yards. Like if, if Purdue can run for 145 yards on us, hey, God, it's it's hard to imagine what he, what Wisconsin can do. Oh, well, that's a good question. Tyler, how many yards rushing do you think Jonathan Taylor will have? Well, I mean, he ran for 250 yards against Iowa, and Iowa's one of the best defenses in the country. 
Last week, we had no answer for King Daru, who had over 102 total yards and scored a touchdown. Um, I, I To answer that question, I mean, it really depends on your outlook on this game. I mean, if Nebraska can't hold him to under 200 yards, then we don't really stand a shot, right? Um, I, I don't know if I'm prepared to answer how many yards he's going to get, but I will tell you, if Nebraska needs it wants to win this game, it starts with start stopping Jonathan Taylor. And no one's really been able to do that. Um, I don't think we're gonna stop it, but can we contain him? That's that's a million dollar question. And and Derek and I we were talking about this. I mean, that's your objective. I mean, Jack Cohn has played some good football. I mean, Jack Cohn is not a great quarterback, he's played some good football this season. Uh, if, but you let him beat us. That that if you lose this game because Jack Cohn beats us, you live with that. Um, but can't even achieve that. Derek, are you prepared to answer that question? How many yards rushing do you think Jonathan Taylor will have? I dodged the shit out Whoa. of that. I so dodged that because I don't want to say what I'm really thinking. <laughs> what are you really thinking? Is it is it okay? If I set the over under at three oh five. Rushing or all purpose? I'll go under. I'm just say rushing. Oh, under. I, I mean, I'm not. I'm I'll not go give, under. I mean, if you you said it, I, I would probably say in the two to two fifty range. Hey, I, I, I'll tell you right okay. now, if he has two hundred to two hundred and fifty yards, they probably have enough of a lead that their backup running backs in. So that'll be all he has. Okay. Uh, but I. Look, I, I want to go back to what Tyler was talking about. Yeah, you know, you want, if you want to contain this guy, there's, it's it's going to be tough. And I, I don't know if we, like I said, I don't think we have the linebackers to probably do it. Uh, again, maybe some of these younger kids can come in and we can start playing them. Because we're going to start playing some kids. So we have to. Uh, maybe they can show little signs of being better, I hope. Uh, right, right now, Shenander's only option is to stack that box and find a way to shut down Jonathan Taylor. That's your only option. Like Tyler said, let Jack Cohn beat you. Let I mean, he's the only everybody's gonna go. Oh, he's not that bad. Look at his completion percentage; it looks so good. But it's only because he runs swing passes and screen plays every time. Like he doesn't throw downfield very often. So. Like seriously, Jonathan Taylor has like eighty percent of their offense last week. Yeah. Hey, so if if you find a way to shut him down, there's a chance you could win this game. I'm with you, man. I, I think you, you know you just need to sell out, just st- stack the box, uh, load it up, stop Jonathan Taylor, and make uh, Cone just beat you. I mean, if I don't see Nebraska having much of a shot winning this game anyway. But you know what? I would feel a hell of a lot better uh, knowing that we stopped Jonathan Taylor and got beat by John, uh, by Cone than the other way around. I mean, you can't let the obvious guy kick your ass in this game. But you that's easier said than Absolutely. done. That's easier said than done. Oh, of, of course it is. You're, you're no, no one's denying that, Tyler. It's going to be probably next to impossible. Really, I mean, you could put you but, could put nine guys in the box, and I don't know if that's enough. Well, well that, that, I'll, t- I'll tell you this, guy. I'll tell you guys this: if if your defense 
starts doing I, I I hate I really don't like this, but they start doing the little things. Right. And I hate that because the the staff and these players talk about doing the little things right all the time and it sounds so cliche. But you know, if you if you don't get off your assignment and you do what you're supposed to do, you can stop this guy. I mean, well, look at look at what Ohio State did. And I understand Ohio State's got a thousand times better players than what we have. But why why is it that they're so good? Because they do what they're supposed to do. So if Nebraska, if our players can just kind of do what they're supposed to do, you can stop this guy. It's not impossible to stop him. But, again, we haven't been disciplined on defense. We haven't done good with making good tackles. We haven't done good with uh, just reading plays and and, and, ma- and stopping it when, it when they need to. I, I have this bad feeling that they're going to run on third and 17 every time and get 25 yards every time they do it. <laughs> God, don't do not do that to me. Don't do that to us, man. Derek, I got to ask you, in what aspect of the game does Nebraska have an advantage over Wisconsin? Well, let me pull out the old tape here and see what we see. Uh, not much. <laughs> Tyler, what do you have? Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. I, I got one. I got. I, I found one. We're a better passing team. What? Yeah, we get 222 yards a game. They only get 193. So technically, we're a better passing team. Okay, okay. Well, I like and, that. And, and, I like and, that optimism. But I'll tell you this. And like I said this earlier. Wisconsin's defense has struggled. They've averaged 28 points over their last three outings. Um you know, I think when you look at this team, I, I know there's a lot of people selling stock on Adrian Martinez. Um, I have not given up my stock on him. He's for the long haul for me. I, I still think he's a good quarterback. You think he's a week healthier. Um, you know, we got Cade Warner. We've got J.D. Spielman. Wandell should be healthy. We've got some pieces in there. I, I think we can score. Well, let me phrase this. We are going to have to score points on this defense because I do not believe that our defense is equipped to shutting them down. What our defense might be equipped to doing is giving up long touchdown drives. Um, and and maybe, you know, we, they've talked about this a lot this week that we may only get 50 plays that's not always the worst thing. I mean, if we're giving up a long drives and we can score fast, then yeah, maybe we can. I again, I think Adrian could be great this week. The problem is, and this is my thing on Adrian, is he just doesn't have pieces around him. And when we don't have a running game, that's a lot of pressure on that pass rush that could come at us. So, you know, Wisconsin, you know. They have been able to rush the quarterback pretty well. They're fifth in the country in sacks. Man, if we can't get any sort of run game going, they're going to be able to deck up. But if we can get a little bit, I think Adrian can take advantage of that secondary. Derek? I I, I found another one. Yay me. I found another one. Uh, Okay. Their punter sucks, guys. They're 112th in punting. So if somehow, some way, 
our defense can actually get the punter on the field, we might have a chance to, I don't know, maybe block one and make something out of a game out of it. <laughs> well, that, you know, that worked for us last weekend. I mean, we could block some punts. Couldn't generate any points out of them, but that's cool. Tyler, I got to ask you, though. You're talking about the running game. Uh, what would you say the over-under on Diedrich Mills' carries are in this game? Nine. Nine? I mean, what, is the, what does that mean, then? Uh, you know, talk about lack of running game, but we're not willing to give it to our only dedicated running back. What, what does that mean? I mean... Kind of means we don't have a running back, if you ask me. But does it? I mean, has he really been impressive? Like, have you really loved what he's done this year? I mean, he hasn't been terrible. I mean... But he's he's not a Zigbo. He's not Amir Abdullah. He's not... Hell, he's not even Trey Bryant. But that's a guy that this staff brought in. Uh, you know, and he's... They're not even giving him really good opportunities to excel to get into a rhythm. Here's the thing on Diedrich Mills. And again, part of this part of this is on the offensive line. Our offensive line, most of the guys that are here, and, and I'm I look, most of the guys that are here were brought here to pass block. They weren't here to run blocks. So, and, and right now they're proving true because most of them can't run block for shit because we can't open up holes for nothing for these running backs so part of it's a lot of it's on that it's not all on Diedrich Mills it's not all on the running backs a lot of it's on the offensive line well what I was also going to say the thing with Diedrich Mills is I believe he would be best suited for a team that wants ball control and that's not what Scott Frost is about he's about scoring fast so he, he doesn't have the patience for the guy that's going to get four yards a carry and needs 20 carries a game to wear down a defense and then all of a sudden they start breaking him. That's not what he's about. And that's fine. I'm not saying that his model isn't working because obviously we've seen success with it. But he needs guys that are going to put up seven, eight yards a carry. And, you know, that's why Wondell Robinson's got the carries because, yeah, Wondell might have two or three carries where he gets one or two yards. But you know what he can do is he can break the 16-yard run. Diedrich Mills hasn't shown the ability to do that. Um, I, I think – I mean, so, guys, I mean, I'm not – I believe this. I believe that we – you look at this. We've had two bye weeks in the last three weeks. It, we should be healthier. We have a lot of seniors on this defense that, damn it, if they're not playing for Nebraska, they should be playing for their NFL careers. Like – Show me something. I said this about Purdue. I picked us to lose against Purdue. Until Nebraska shows me something, I, I, I'm not going to buy confidence in that That Indiana game killed any Nebraska spirit I have. I'm sorry for the people listening. It crushed me. Like, Indiana was a team. I know they're ranked. We should have been able to beat them. And we did it. And so, show me something on Saturday, and I'll start not thinking we're going to get our asses kicked. But, um... Yeah, I, I just I right now I'm not buying stock in this team because I think there's too many weaknesses up front. Defensively, wide receivers suck. I mean, and Justin was just wants to talk about Vedral, how he should be the starting quarterback. Derek, I'm gonna ask you, since you're the most optimistic person on the podcast, and Tyler has lost his shit right now. 
So uh, we're not going to go to him for a while. He's in timeout. Derek, what will Nebraska have to do to win this win this game? <laughs> I think this is what we've talked about the whole time. Stop Jonathan Taylor. That's it. All like, right. I, that's, 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 that's it. Like, look, if Iowa – and I'm, I'm going to say this. And so I, I, know, I know Tyler has gotten hammered on Twitter for this because uh, he, he said that Iowa would not be able to score on Wisconsin. But I'm going to tell you I still have more faith in our offense than, than Iowa's offense. And so if they could score 22 on Iowa, I have to think that our offense could probably score some on them. And, but, but it's not going to matter if you give up 200-plus yards to Jonathan Taylor and he's got four or five touchdowns because you're not going to score 30 points on these guys. Right. All right, guys, it's time to get to the games of the week. These games are picked straight up. Tanner, give us the updated standings. Well, I, I continue my dominance here, and uh, I am uh, I am leading the pack at 47-14. Justin, you're second at 46-15. And, and Derek, you're at 45-16. and 16. All right. Well, Your math sucks. <laughs> it still sucks. Hey, we all tied last week. How did I fall behind Justin? Don't question the math. Uh, you know what? I think Derek's on to something there. You're going to have to check that again. We'll give you an alibi right now. Please check the math, but I love that I am winning. First game of the week, number four, Georgia, minus three at number 12, Auburn. Tyler. Yeah, I got Georgia in this. I just said I think they're the third best team in college football. I think they're up there. I think they're going to prove something. I'm not buying Auburn. I got Georgia winning this game. Derek? I, I don't know if it's quite that clear-cut. Uh, I do think Georgia has a better talent overall, so I think Georgia probably wins. Uh, Auburn will give them a run for the money, though. I can't forgive Georgia for losing to South Carolina at this point. Uh, that that just sticks with me right now. They're going on the road to Auburn. Uh, I like Auburn in this game. Game number two, number eight, Minnesota at number 20, Iowa. Iowa's two-and-a-half-point favorites. Tyler. You know, I, I have a saying that Vegas doesn't get those tall buildings because they don't know what they're talking about. I think the Cinderella story of Minnesota comes to an end this weekend. I got Iowa winning this game. Derek? Uh, Iowa just came off a tough loss to uh, Wisconsin. I think they're a little beat up. I think Minnesota's riding a high horse. I'm bought in. I think Minnesota's a great team. I think they should be a top four team. I think they're a hell of a lot better than Iowa, and I don't think their defensive backs can hold up to Minnesota's wide receivers. So I'm going Minnesota fairly big. I've never been a believer in P.J. Fleck. I've always hated him, but you know what? I found myself rooting for him against Penn State. I love what he's doing at Minnesota. Uh, That offense is just absolutely unbelievable. What they did to that Penn State defense, I think they can do the same thing uh, against Iowa. So give me Minnesota in this game. I love Minnesota. Uh, Game number three, Michigan State at number 15, Michigan. Michigan's 13.5-point favorites. Tyler. I got Michigan in this game. Easy. Derek? Uh, I do have Michigan. I don't know if it's easy. For whatever reason... D'Antonio always plays Harbaugh tough, and I, I could see him playing him tough again. But I, but I do think Michigan has too much talent. They will win. 
Yeah, Michigan State, they have too many problems right now. Four-game losing skid. Give me Michigan. Game number four, number 10, Oklahoma. Ten-point favorites at number 13, Baylor. Uh, College game day will be there this weekend here in Waco. Love it. Tyler. Yeah, I I said one Cinderella story ending in Minnesota. I think the other one ends at Baylor. I got Oklahoma winning this game. Derek? I I feel a little bit foolish here because I just got done sticking up for Baylor and talking about how they should be ranked so much higher. But at the end of the day, Jalen Hurts, I think, is too much for Baylor. Uh, I, I think Oklahoma pulls it out. Yeah, I'm with you. I got Oklahoma here. I don't think that Baylor stands a chance uh, going play-for-play play against Oklahoma in this game. I don't think their offense can do it. Their defense is good, but offensively, they just don't have the firepower to uh, win a shootout against Oklahoma. Final game, number 23, Navy at number 16, Notre Dame. Tyler. You know, I, I do think Notre Dame's a pretty good football team, and I think this is probably one of the tougher games for me to pick this weekend. But don't sleep on Navy. I mean, Navy has scored over 40 points at three out of the last four contests. Their offense is legit. You know, I, I got Navy winning this game. Derek? I, I'm going to bring this down to talent discrepancy, and I think Notre Dame's got a little too much of that. Uh, I do think it'll be a good game, and it would not surprise me if you're right, Tyler. But I'm, I'm going to go with Notre Dame. I think they're just a little too talented for Navy. All right, well, Notre Dame, they've been very disappointing. They had a lot of high hopes in the beginning of the year. They're, they just haven't lived up to those expectations. Navy, Tyler, you just said it. You know, they're on a tear right now. They're scoring some points. Defense is playing pretty well. Uh, Notre Dame just got blitzed by Michigan a couple weeks ago. Uh, I'm taking Navy in the big upset, upset here. Uh, Navy's nine-point underdogs, but I think they get it done on the road. Speaking of spreads, that gets us to best bets. Uh, these picks are our best bets against the spread. Tyler, give us this updated standings. Well, Justin, you've been on a quite the quite the tear lately, um, and I got uh, me and you are now tied uh, for the season which is quite embarrassing. We each got three victories. Derek, you're at 6-4-1. and one. Um, So overall, it's uh, you're running away with this one. Hey, but but I have three of the last four. Hey, because you're riding my coattails. Riding your coattails, my ass. All right, Tyler, what's your best bet of the week? My best bet is going to be a little unusual one. I, I'm going to go – I've been losing a lot. I'm going to go a little bit of a – Fluky one. I'm going to go with Penn State at Indiana. First half minus seven and a half. I think Penn State's going to come out fired up. I think they're going to put up some points and really take advantage. I like Penn State in the first half of this game. Hate that line. Uh, Derek, what do you got? <laughs> wow. Tell us how you really feel, Justin. Hate it. Uh, okay. Uh, I-, I went with UMass at plus 40 and a half over, uh, against Northwestern. And I know everyone's going to sit here and kind of go, oh, well, UMass is terrible, and everybody can score on UMass. But let me tell you something. Northwestern can't score 40 points with no defense out there. So I don't think they're scoring 40 points, and I think that's a pretty easy cover just because Northwestern can't score enough. Dude, I got to say, I'm not a fan of that. I see where you're coming from. UMass, 
They're about to break the record for the most points allowed a game since UConn did it like 50 and a half last year. They're allowing 53 and a half games right now, or 53 and a half points a game right now. I mean, this is going to be the time that Pat Fitzgerald will shine. Uh, you may be right in this one, though. You may be right. But God dang, that's. I don't know if I like don't, that one. At don't all. win 38 nothing. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, hey, my best bet this week is going to go to Michigan minus 13 and a half against their little sister, Michigan State. Michigan State, they're on a four game losing skid. Uh, Michigan State is also two and seven against the spread. Uh, Michigan State, man, I tell you, I don't, I don't know what happened to this team. I had high, big hopes for them before the season coming out of the East, but dude, they're just, they're in a downward spiral here. Downward spiral. Michigan's been playing great ball. Give me Michigan thirteen and a half. I don't like that one at all. D'Antonio plays Harbaugh good every single year. In fact, he beat him for like the first three, four years. I, I just, I, I don't see this be. I think it'll be a good game. I don't think that Harbaugh can beat him by two touchdowns. I'm about to go four out of the last five on this one. Uh, all right, time for the hey, score. Hey, real quick before we do the the plug, you're right, Derek. You are beating Justin. I, I mixed them up, Derek. Justin, you're in last place in the predictions. So. Yeah, we're going to edit that out. Uh, it's time for the score <laughs> prediction contest right now. Uh, number 14, Wisconsin. Uh, 14 and a half point favorites over Nebraska. Wait, wait, uh, wait. You, have to, but you forgot to plug the, the the podcast. That comes after. No, that's, a, oh, that's after, the, that's after this part. Hey, you I'm let sorry. me host this show. You just sit there and drink your beer and, well, I was going to say look pretty, but goddamn you. I right think there's been plenty of that tonight. Yeah, there has. <laughs> Uh, just get into your score prediction, bud. Well, uh, uh, guys, I, I said show me something, Nebraska. They haven't. I'm, I, God, I want to be wrong. I, I believe there's a part of my heart that believes Nebraska can come out and win. But until I see it, I'm going to keep being my pessimist right now. And I got Wisconsin 35-10. to 10. Derek. Well, I managed to fall into some tickets for this game. So I am taking my son, who is... Finally starting to get into football a little bit. I'm taking him to his first Nebraska game. Nice. So that's going to bring us some good luck. I think Wisconsin struggles to do – well, no, I don't. They don't struggle. But, but look, I, th- I think we hold it close. And I think Nebraska surprises some people. And we only lose by 10, and we go 24-14. 24-14. I tell you what, I'd love to hold them to 24 I don't see it happening. I don't see us uh, containing uh, that rushing game from Wisconsin that low. I have Wisconsin winning 38-10. to 10. Sad face. Uh, hopefully it's a game that uh, we're sticking around, that people are still tuning in after halftime. If not, Derek, I guess you have a quick and easy escape out of Memorial Stadium there. <laughs> No, I won't, because everybody will be leaving them, too. <laughs> yeah, good point, good point. All right, guys, this is a really fun show tonight. There's a lot to tackle there. Uh, before we get into last call, let's take a quick break to hear from another great podcast on the Big Heads Media Network. If you're like me, then every Saturday in the fall is the best day of the week for you. 
there's nothing like waking up, turning on the TV, and getting ready for a whole day of college football action. Whether you're watching from the stadium or from the couch that day, there's still nothing like the excitement that builds as you wait for your favorite team to take the field. The problem, though, is that for most, this excitement only comes on Saturdays. Here at the Flagship Football Show, we think every day should be College Football Saturday. That's why the flagship team works all week to bring you the best recaps, previews, interviews, topics, and discussions on all things Ole Miss football. Tune in every Wednesday for our new episode on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And follow us on Twitter at FlagshipFBShow and on Facebook at The Flagship Football Show to keep up with all our coverage. And remember to stay with us every single Wednesday all year as we bring you everything you need to know about the flagship university in Mississippi on the flagship football show. And last call to you, Tyler. My last call goes out to the black shirts. Today at practice, Damian Jackson, Garrett Nelson both got the black shirts. I don't know if this is the right call or not. I don't know what the black shirts are right now, but I'll tell you what, I love it. Garrett Nelson's reaction showed me all I need to know. Damian Jackson's obviously a favorite. I, I, I like this move. I think it's a really fun move for this team. Derek, I, I, I look. I love this. Uh, Damian Jackson being the Navy SEAL is such a great thing, such a great story. And I give him a black shirt. I'm fine with it because at the end of the day, the black shirts don't mean shit anymore. We haven't had a good defense, and I don't know. I don't, I don't think we've had good defense since my son's been alive. So it is what it is. But at the end of the day. Garrett Nelson deserves it. Damian Jackson, I'm not so sure. But <laughs> give him the honorary black shirt. I'm okay with it, whatever. Hey, you know, I'm with you guys. I mean, I I think it's really cool. Garrett Nelson, that, that dude deserves it. I love what he uh, exudes as a uh, Husker defender. Damian Jackson, he's a crowd, he's a fan favorite by far. Everybody's rooting for that guy. But he's played in one game this year. He's getting a black shirt. I don't know what that means. I don't know what the black shirts mean to the staff anymore. I mean, are these just participation trophies now? Uh, I, I, I'm not quite sure. Uh, it's cool that he has one, but my God. Somebody needs to explain what black shirts mean these days because I just, I do not get it at all. But cool beans. I'm proud of them. Last call to you, Derek. All right. I, I, I'm going to steal Justice Thunder here and go with Nebraska ball. Uh, I'm, I, I, I know this is really premature, but I'm having a little buyer's remorse in what's going on this season. I'm thinking maybe Tim Miles wasn't so bad because Nebraska ball looks really, really, really bad. And I, so I, with all this going on, I went through uh, ESPN's FPI to see how many games Nebraska would actually be favored in. And there's actually nine of them, which surprised me a little bit because I didn't think it would be that high. Uh, I, they had four of them in the Big Ten, but one of them was against Michigan at home. And i got to be honest, I don't think we could beat Michigan anywhere, even with our backups uh, playing against our starters. But uh, at, the, at the end of the day, I, I just – I'm so depressed about this basketball team because they look bad. They do. Husker men's athletics has sucked for years. <laughs> Outside of the baseball conference title here recently, but my God, it's not a great time. 
yeah, basketball is going to be rough this year. You know what, though? I don't think Miles would have done any better coming back. Didn't have a roster at all, but we'll see. Hey, Tyler, what do you think? It's going to be a long winter. Well, let, let me ask you this, Justin. You, you talk about Tim Miles not having a roster, but didn't uh, Fred Hoiberg kind of do the Scott Frost thing where he ran everybody out of here? That's because Miles and, didn't and have a roster. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but he, he literally ran everybody out of here. And I think if uh, Tim Miles is here, I think maybe there's at least a shot Isaiah Roby's still here. Yeah, I, I don't know. And, and truthfully, I don't even know if the – It'd be any different, really. I mean, it's. I hate to say it's a year zero, but I don't think we're zero two at this point. If Miles is here, yeah, that could be true. Yeah, it's 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 not good, but you know, Bill Moose tells us it's going to be better because Bill Moose hired these guys. <laughs> patience. Pat- we need patience. patience. Be patient. They're building it the right way is what we hear. Hey, my, my uh, last call goes out to Evansville, who defeated number one Kentucky tonight, 67-64. to 64. Now, Evansville was 24.5-point fav- or underdogs in this game. Went on the road and whooped the shit out of Kentucky. They were leading at halftime. I mean, my goodness. I don't even know what conference Evansville is in. I... Don't know anything about it. I don't know where they're located. I'm not even sure if I've ever heard the name before. Sounds like something that would make some, like, uh, bratwurst or something. But, you know what? They whooped the shit out of Kentucky. Tyler? Anytime Kentucky loses, it's a good thing in my book. Derek? <laughs> it's funny because I, I did probably the same thing apparently everybody else in the country did and looked up Evansville. To see where the hell they came from. And I didn't figure that part out. But I did figure out they're part of the Missouri Valley. But the only reason I know everybody looked it up is because when I started typing Evansville, it came up Evansville basketball number one search on my Google. So, obviously, everybody else looked it up, too. Yeah. So, how's that bratwurst that they make? I don't know. Just pour beer on it. Pour beer on it, yeah. All right, well, it is officially time to get out of here, guys. This was a really fun episode. Uh, it's kind of good to talk about college football by itself uh, instead of focusing on Husker football, especially in these dire times. But uh, special thanks to Connor Russell for putting this audio together for us. Uh, be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook. Look for episodes on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and now BigHeadsMedia.com. Rate, review, and subscribe. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. We'll be back next week to recap Wisconsin and preview Maryland. We'll see you then, and as always, go Big Red.